We're back with our final podcast with Maria de Lancaster Valente from SRS Legal in Portugal. And today we're speaking about other relevant employment law topics um, in Portugal. I'll hand over to Sean. Hello again. Um, so in the last podcast, we covered um, employee representative bodies in Portugal. Um, but we thought we'd kick off today um, asking about sector level bargaining agreements. Um, Maria, I wonder if you could explain a little about, about them and how they work, because that's not something we have in the UK. Um, so I think that the main um, um, point to convey is that um, under Portuguese law, um, employee representation uh, structures operate based on a principle of affiliation. So employees are can join and can set up works councils and they can set up um, trade union associations and em employers can set up their associations um, and then they have obviously certain rights and they are um, and they're entitled to certain rights and employers have, have to observe certain obligations. Um, it, the concept of sector bargaining agreement per se doesn't um, exist um, in the sense that when they're born, <laughs> the collective bargaining agreements are born between uh, a trade union association and an employer's um, um, uh, association. What happens is that in some sectors, they may be extended, given their relevance, uh, uh, by the government um, through what we call an extension regulation to cover the whole um, sector. So um, they, will they will exist for a specific sector when the government decides that it is relevant to um, extend certain rights and obligations and to ensure um, harmonization between um, rights and obligations across um, a certain sector. Perfect. Um, so one other thing that we often get requests from clients from is in relation to employee handbooks um, and particularly where they've got employees in other jurisdictions we're often asked if we can arrange for the UK handbook to be adapted for those jurisdictions mm -hmm. so are handbooks quite common in Portugal and and what do they typically contain if so um, handbooks are uh, common, um, um, certainly within sort of a, a multinational um, environment. And 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 I share <laughs> what you've just said in, to the extent that we we get asked uh, about that um, um, as well. I think the main um, and and they are relevant. They will cover. Um, um, that so there isn't any restriction. Um, so if you remember from previous podcasts, I mentioned that. Um, um, basically, Portuguese employment law is governed by um, a labour code, um, and the labour code um, contains um, um, regimes that go into quite a lot of detail um, and that address the full life cycle of the contract. So the main source will be uh, the labour code, and then you will have employment contracts. In some instances, you can have collective bargaining agreements that sit above um, the labour code. Employee handbooks are relevant to ensure harmonisation across jurisdictions, certainly. And I think that is a scenario where we see many requests and they are they can be adapted. Harmonisation will not be um, fully possible because we, we do have a different approach um, um, to the law. Uh, but 
but um, they will cover, they can cover issues uh, related to um, main, main terms and conditions, any benefits that the uh, employer offers and that, and that it wants to communicate a certain message um, um, across um, either that, you know, that their certain benefits will apply to certain groups of, of employees, depending on their roles and in on and what employees have to to do to obtain those benefits um, or um, any issues that may be more sensitive from um, a cultural um, a corporate cultural perspective, those can certainly be contained um, and can be um, um, outlined in handbooks. Um, but a handbook isn't a, a source um, of, of law and it is it may or may not be a source of, of, of contractual terms and conditions depending on how it's worded. Um, so, uh, I mean, that they're useful um, in, in, in many instances, they will um, uh, be used to um, complement whatever else exists in a contract or even in the law. Um, wording obviously should be should be um, um, taken into consideration the way they're worded and they will address matters related to the organization and, and, and sort of the day-to-day life of the of the employment contract where there are substantial differences will um, relate to matters governing obviously termination grievances um, disciplinary dismissal um, because those are governed by by mandatory law so so in some instances they may not have the use um, that um, a company um, wishes to 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 attribute to them because th those regimes are already governed by um, um, by law. That's very interesting. And um, now moving on to a completely different topic, um, I thought we ought to cover something that's been an issue in, in lots of different jurisdictions, which is the um, massive increase in remote working um, associated with the pandemic and probably accelerating a trend which was um, happening anyway. Um, in the UK, homeworking, or at least part-time homeworking, so hybrid working, seems to be here to stay. Uh, we don't have any specific legislation that applies to this type of working, but we know that many European countries do. What's the position in Portugal? So it's been it's a very interesting um, um, phenomenon we've been um, seeing because the 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 concept of remote work um, has existed um, um, in our labor code since 2003. And um, over the years, it remained dormant, um, I'd say, especially uh, within a more national um, environment. So companies didn't pay and employers didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Um, I think there's also a cultural aspect that's relevant, that the idea that in order to be um, productive, you have to sit um, at your desk um, and, 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 and in an office um, to do that. Um, I don't think this is a, an issue that's particular to, to, to Portugal. I'd say it's probably um, um, relevant to other jurisdictions um, with the same um, um, legal background um, as Portugal. But what we saw obviously was that in 2020 things changed completely. 
and obviously it's we've demonstrated that um, working from home or working remotely um, works um, and legally that had to be addressed so during the pandemic we had legislation that was being that was produced on a daily basis to 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 cover exceptional measures um, and then um, at the end of last year, um, we had a significant change to the Labour Code as that introduced a number of measures um, to regulate remote work further. Um, some of them relate to costs and to company equipment and um, in what cases or to what extent employers have to um, contribute towards um, employees' costs uh, when they're working from home or working remotely um, and also um, uh, with a particular concern surrounding you know the, the right to rest and and to make sure that um, employees um, are observing uh, their, their rest periods um, um, and that they're not working um, from home um, more than they that they should be basically um, so I think that the whole idea around remote work has certainly changed. I think um, in Portugal, we're still, we, I think the issue hasn't been closed. I think more changes will come. Companies are trying to bring back um, employees in, into the office. Uh, I agree with, uh, with you, Sean, that um, we're looking at, or that many companies are now looking at the hybrid regime as a balanced way uh, of approaching um, work. Um, to what extent um, what we have in the Labour Code is sufficient or not, I'm not sure. Certainly the issue surrounding costs has been one that has gained a lot of relevance um, political, uh, politically from, from the media as well um, and from, from unions to some extent. But um, employees have been persistent in, in, in also conveying that they want to stay um, and work from home at least part of their time. So um, I think that there's a movement um, that is, is pushing both um, you know, the, the legislator and companies to think about solutions that will offer their, their employees that, that comfort that they're looking for. Um, and it's a question of trying to understand whether that equilibrium, that balance has been reached um, or not. But I agree that it's something that certainly in the short, medium term is here to stay. Um, and, uh, and that we have legislation. Um, the, the new um, changes also um, address uh, the, the, the limitations to remote work in the sense that remote work can be stopped or terminated unilaterally by employer or employee. And also that there are some instances where remote work is a right, is an entitlement. So in particular for groups, for categories of employees, for those who have children, there are um, instances where an employee can request that they be placed under a full, uh, fully remote work regime and provided they fulfill a certain requirements, the, the employer cannot validly refuse that. So um, um, I think it's here to stay. To what extent we will see um, further changes, I think we will, um, especially in relation to the costs 
um, piece and um, and how that's how remote work is going to be calibrated. I, I think we're all in, in the same boat there. Definitely, it's um, it's still kind of a yeah, still working through how it all play out, and I completely agree that it's it's here to stay. Um, so final question in in these series, um, is there any other issues you you would like to flag for businesses employing people in Portugal? I think the main issue, main issues have already been addressed, and I think in the in, in the previous um, podcast, in the initial podcast, I think I, I spoke about this, um, and in the second one as well. The advice I would give is um, is obviously. Um, uh, Companies aren't expected to 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 to, um, to dominate um, um, knowledge or to have uh, extensive knowledge on on Portuguese employment law. I think it's more about trying to understand what questions what questions um, 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 you know HR professionals and 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 legal counsel have to be asking or have to be and what issues they need to be looking out in order to make sure that um, that employment relationships flow um, easily um, and and also recognizing that um, and, and I'm going to focus on on this aspect as well on, on culture, not only organizational culture, but um, Portuguese culture, obviously employment relations uh, depend on, on interaction between individuals. Um, um, a company is a, is a group, ultimately a group of individuals who is taking and making decisions. And I think that one of the, um, Certainly, in my experience, um, sometimes the challenges are not so much in in sorting out the legal um, aspects, but in sorting out cultural differences and 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 making sure that cultural communication is obviously mutually um, respected. And if those ingredients, um, um, you know, are all taken into consideration. Um, I think that makes the life of, of, of both companies, employees, much, much um, easier. I would also say that to the extent possible, um, you have to prepare. Um, um, it's, not, it's not a jurisdiction where you can typically implement decisions um, quickly without that having consequences or without that being neutral. You know, a company or a client should should also take into consideration that, that if there are changes that are going to be made, um, that it, if possible, it should prepare those changes in advance uh, to ensure that you know the right decisions can be made, taking into consideration you know time, cost, and and, and risk, which which for me are, are the three ingredients that that also hold uh, and that also. Are relevant to, 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 to providing also sound um, um, advice. So I think these are the issues that I would I would um, flag out. That's great, and um, and that's definitely good advice. And we we certainly would echo what you were saying about the cultural issues being being really important. Well, that wraps up our series um, of on employment law in Portugal. So thank you, Maria. It's been incredibly okay. interesting. Um, <laughs> thank you. Very welcome, and thank you for having me. That's great. And if anyone would like any further information on the topics we've been discussing in this series, please do get in touch with us or Maria and please join us in our next series of podcasts. Thank you.